beautiful people. This is Shit You Might Have Missed on Flash Black Radio. We are the usual suspects. Slim Williams is not with us today. He has some some circumstances he had to take care of. Everything's fine with him, but you know he had to handle his business. So sitting in on the rest of the session, though, we still have Miss Takia Richardson. What up, aka T Rich? How you guys doing? And Miss Christy Hunt. Hi, folks. And I think I think I want to be that cunt. I think that, that, that cunt. <laughs> I think. I okay. Think. All right. We, 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 when you when you're sure. When no, you're sure, I, you let you I, let me know. I feel like we have to test it out. Okay. I just been calling you K Fire after you read the world that one time. Oh, I like K Fire. Can I be K Fire? If AK, you want to be. <laughs> you know, oh my god, I got two nicknames. I went from zero to two. You went from zero to two. Look at you, zero <laughs> to one hundred, real quick. Moving up in the world. Moving up in the world. Yeah. So, and I am Lee Bennett the Third, aka Da Vinci Parks. And again, we are the usual suspects, and this is Flash Black Radio. Um, there's a lot to cover. Uh, first of all, let me let me. Uh, I would be remiss if I didn't say what today's date was. Today's date is January 29th, 2017, as T. Rich might say, in the year of our Lord, 2017. <laughs> <laughs> um, there is so much to unpack. So I'm just going to give a brief rundown, and if anybody wants to jump in on the things that I'm going to mention, feel free to do so. If not, we can just pivot. But I just I have to mention these things because, again, the, the theme of this show is shit you might have missed. So um, I'm going to skip that first one because I think Chris, excuse me, Takia will speak to it later. Uh, the first one that I want to speak to, Minnesota governor proposes bill that would enable civil action suits against protesters. Uh, there's, uh, there was an exodus of top brass in the State Department over the week. Uh, four to oh, six wait. officials left. Yes, that I would like to comment on. So um, it's kind of tangential, but um, a boy I went to grade school with, and I went to the kind of grade school where we are, some of us, Facebook friends, most of us, um, so he actually has worked as diplomatic police for mm-hmm. the State Department for the last 17 years. And he handed in his letter of resignation, posted it on Facebook, and actually also did an interview on NPR. And the overall gist of what he said was basically that the kind of resistance that he feels needs to be done um, can't be done from within inside the government. And so for him it was best for him to leave. And I just feel like, you know, I know that there was a news story that was floated out there. I haven't read it. So I don't know, like, you know, what the sources were that says, you know, maybe they were fired by Trump. Maybe they just all, it was a mass exodus. My guess is that it's probably a a combination of both. Um, Well, I, 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 go ahead. But they were saying that this is the largest exodus of institutional memory. In, in like history in, the, in, in one shot the yeah department yeah. and like that is frightening because you like that's not experience that you get from the private sector working for the diplomatic corps like you get that from working for the diplomatic corps right and so like to think that there are some private sector business people that are going to be able to fill in the thousands of positions that are now empty is crazy. So that's that's my comment on it. Yeah, and we're going to come back to this. Uh, but what I wanted to throw out there is one of the individuals who left went by, goes by the name of Patrick Kennedy, and he was actually being looked at being tabbed for the number two position in the State Department. And he's one of the individuals that quite unexpectedly tendered his resignation. Mm-hmm. So uh, this this bears some scrutiny. And when I scrutiny, it bears uh, some attention. So we'll, we'll need to follow up on this. I actually know somebody works in the State Department, so they can give me ground uh, view, perhaps, of how it looks from their perspective. Um, moving along, because we can come back to this. I really just want to run down all the different things that have happened over this past week because it's crazy. Um, Trump opens up an investigation into voter fraud. Uh, earlier in the week, he made the claim that he lost the popular vote in the general election which he won through the Electoral College, due to voter fraud. And it wasn't him saying that uh, there was voter fraud to the tune of maybe 
2,000 or 3,000 or maybe 10,000. He was saying that he lost the popular vote by all voter fraud. So he was saying 3 million people voted illegally in election, which is not the case. In the last 10 years, out of 1 billion votes cast between primary and general elections, both state, local, and of course, on the big stage, they've caught, uh, it's like, it's like one billionth of a percentage or something. It's, it's something crazy. It's, it's so insignificant, the level of voter fraud that they have or whatever, that to suggest that it went from being like 33 cases, which I think it was, to now being 3 million is ridiculous. But, you know, taxpayer money is going to go towards this investigation, which everybody's already investigated to make sure there was no voter fraud, at least on the level that he's speaking to. We're not talking about election hacking. We're just talking about fraud, like somebody saying, I live there, live here, and they don't, or I am this person, and they're not. Taxpayer money going to stroking his dick and his ego. Yeah. Because you can't stand the idea that he actually lost the popular vote. And so... I mean, um, among all the other things that I think you're probably going to get to in this list that he is fucked up in the span of a very little over a week. But I'm going to try to save my anger. I I also think this speaks to, I don't know, uh, Lee, if this was in your list of topics to discuss, but like winning the leading psychologist, you know, at Johns Hopkins, yes, came out and was like, "This man, we we yes, it it he he first of all he he broke an ethics rule. I forget what it's called. It's the, the something rule about you know the Goldwater rule. Yes, the Goldwater rule about um, clinicians not making a diagnosis on people that they have not treated. But this guy is first of all disturbed, obviously, by what he's seeing. But he's saying that we've seen enough of this behavior to be able to say he's not just a narcissist. That's bad enough. But he's a malignant narcissist. And when you look at the list of personality traits for a malignant narcissist and you look at how Donald Trump tends to conduct himself, it's like, well, I mean, textbook. (laughs) It's kind of there in black and white for you. You make whatever decisions you want to make. Um, but I think that like for someone who is a leader in his field to, you know, break a key ethics rule, um, that says something about the level of concern. Um, and I think it's have. ironic because uh, prior to us actually going live with the usual suspects, when we were doing test runs, we actually had a conversation about Trump's narcissism. And we, there was a, an extended conversation we had about whether or not he was a narcissist or not. So I, I just malignant narcissist. Yeah, we did. I didn't say malignant narcissist. I didn't know there was such a thing. Uh, I didn't know. Was, uh, I, does that mean that there's such thing as a benign narcissist? <laughs> yes, they're just regular narcissists. Okay. And so you know, a narcissist in and of itself is basically like a child, as far as like temper tantrums and toxic behavior and what that translates into. But malignant narcissists are even worse because basically the only thing that motivates them in many instances is feeling so aggrieved that they're constantly, you know, exacting revenge or trying to to seek revenge in some sort of way. And I think the thing that makes that especially frightening is that what we can expect is a lot of policy statements or executive orders that are basically governing, you know, governing revenge is a form of governance instead of actual policy. I think that we're going Mm -hmm. to see a lot of, I'm mad, I'm pissed off, I'm going to flex my muscles and throw my weight around at this particular group of people or a particular person or a corporation or an industry. And I mean, the thing that's frightening about that is that no no real policy will get made if we are always, you know, governing according to the 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 moves and the whims based on you know malignant action so it's not like oh i want to do some good in the world today it's this person pissed me off today so let's come after these people and that's beyond problematic i mean ceos don't even run companies like that some do well well donald trump was a ceo so um moving right through this list and again we, we can come back to anything you want to come back to uh, Trump implies that torture is back on the table in terms of something he would like to pursue, even though it's been deemed illegal. And Congress actually voted on it to make sure that it's codified that torture is not something that we do. 
It's a uh, does he really like, care what's legal? Um, I don't know if he cares or not. I, I just know that right now it's not something that we're supposed to legally be able to do. Not to say that we don't do it. I don't know. I would imagine that in some cases we probably do, but I don't definitively know that. I do know that there are people who are even on the Republican side uh, who are challenging this right now in terms of this is not a good look. And one of those people is John McCain because he's actually been tortured before. So he understands what torture is, understands how ineffective it can be. Because if you're tortured enough, you can say anything to make them stop. So it's not necessarily like you're gonna nece- you're gonna get the information that you want to get. You just might get information so they can have a respite of some sort. So right. there's that. Uh, Trump issues a memo where we're we're pulling out of the Trans-Pacific Partnership. Uh, Trump warns of renegotiations of NAFTA are likely. Trump issues executive order expediting environmental reviews and approvals for high-priority infrastructure projects, and also asks people to start resubmitting uh, permits for construction of the Dakota Access and Keystone XL pipelines, and there's another pipeline that was in there as well. Uh, On January 24, 2017, three separate memos regarding oil pipelines, including the Keystone XL and Dakota Access pipelines, uh, were mentioned. Trump orders federal agencies to shut their pie holes, pretty much, pretty much eliminating the transparency that we had been supposedly enjoying, the open access that President Obama had initiated. Trump doesn't want that, so stop tweeting, tweeting and all that good stuff. And uh, I just want to say, like, it was so amazing, the, um, the rogue Twitter yeah. accounts. Alt NIH. Like, who? Alt Park Service. I think it's alt CDC. Basically, every science uh, based agency has an alt Twitter right now. <laughs> right. And I just, I thought that was like the most amazing thing. Yeah. That was a lot of amazing things. Uh, there's also a petition demanding that Donald Trump release his tax uh, returns. Good um, uh, that was. It had that a- Hmm? It had over 250,000 signatures. Left. More than that, actually. So what happened is, and we can start with that one, and we can work our way back up. So this is something that was initiated by President Obama, I believe, in 2011, part of the open access and transparency of government and wanting to hear from the citizens of this country and what is important to us. You're allowed to create a petition on whitehouse.gov. And you can petition for anything, but you have to get a certain amount of signatures within 30 days. And that certain amount is 100,000. This petition was initiated on January 20th, 2017. And within 24 hours of Trump's inauguration, uh, the petition had over 368,000 signatures. Uh, This surpassed the previous record. Uh, 367,180 signatures, and that record was for the legalization, or legally recognizing the Westboro Baptist Church as a hate group. So I signed it, even though the signature, the signature threshold had been met. I wanted to sign it just because, one, I wanted my voice to be heard, and you know every signature counts, I would think. Now, here's the thing. Once you, and I said, here's the thing, I get it, but mm-hmm. you know, once you get to 100,000, so far, what it is, is they say that somebody is going to give an official response from the White House administration. But there's no guarantee with this new administration, one, whether or not this will be reviewed, and two, whether or not any official response will be given. Uh, because this could be one of those things that they scrub from the White House website, much like they did the transgender, uh, civil rights a host of things that got scrubbed from the website the immediate, the moment uh, Trump took office. So there's that. So what I will do, ladies and gentlemen, I will make sure that I put all these links in, in blurbs on the flashblackradio.com website. You can check out all these links, and I'll also make sure that this all gets posted to the, the Facebook page as well. And you can check out these various links for yourself. What I've made a point to do what I, I think I'll be doing moving forward, at least for the foreseeable future is I'm simply going to go to whitehouse.gov 
and look at the executive memos and the in the excuse me in the executive orders as well of what Trump is putting out there. I, I think that's the easiest way to take note and take measure of what he's doing with his executive powers and what he's doing as president. So, I mean, there are, of course, other things that come out, but, you know, I think we need to be super vigilant. You know, there's also the executive order, which I didn't even have listed, but the executive order that there's a 120-day ban uh, in seven countries of any influx of Muslim citizens. I don't know how you're supposed to do a test. Is there a test to see if you're Muslim or not? I don't, I don't understand. I thought there was a, um, some it's, it's sort just of a like religion ban. test or something they were asking. I mean, I was, this was like such a shit show yesterday and I was completely consumed by it because, you know, there were people that were coming in. He signed this, what, Friday at 6 PM. And so there were people that were coming in and getting stuck in airports or being turned away in other countries. I think like there were some people that were saying they had connecting flights in other countries and they weren't allowed to get on those connecting flights to come to the U S because they were like, you know, they're just not going to let you in. And so the ACLU and, you know, there were all these protests and it was just this shit show. And now I don't know how true this is, but according to the Hill, while all of this was going on, he was in the white house looking at finding Dory. Um, I don't know if it's true in my heart. I'm going to believe. Hey, Takia. He seems like Takia. Can that you, was just. Can you, can you back up just a little bit? It, it, there was a little bit of weirdness with the wires. I guess. Uh, could you run run that last couple sentences back so I, we know what you said? You um, just want to believe what? No, what you what, you just want to believe what? believe that he was engaged in that sort of idiocy while there was, you know, complete breakdown of stuff all around the country based on the stroke of, I guess I should say Steve Bannon's pen. Hmm. Okay. Who has been added to the security? I was about uh, to say. Yeah, I saw that. And the, what was it? The national chief of defense and who was it? Help me out here. There were two people that were removed. Uh, joint chief of staff. Right. And I do believe it was the defense guy, the defense secretary. Will no longer participate in regular hearings or um, the regular meetings that they have and will just participate in ones that apply to them. What Right, with their area of expertise. I, I I can't call it. <laughs> I can't. There, like, like I said, there's so much going on. Like I've I've followed up on a lot of things, but there's a lot of things that I that I not aware of. And checking in on 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 Takia. Actually, we we were rapping. I think it was Friday, Takia, and you were telling me about the Louisiana law. Did you want to speak to that? Which which one? The, I've been taking a lot crimes. of drugs. I'm sorry. <laughs> you might want to clarify. <laughs> you might want to clarify that their doctors prescribe drugs. Not I've been always... taking doctor prescribed medications. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, she gets down like that. Not recreationally, because that can be a thing too. Not yeah. recreationally. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we were talking about the hate crime with the resisting what? arrest in Louisiana. Oh, yes. I don't, oh, I, I think it's that protesting? No, it's blue light. Is, okay, so a, a Democratic governor in Louisiana signed a bill last year. Uh, it's an initiative or an effort uh, to promote Blue Lives Matter, and it's the Blue Lives Matter oh, bill. Oh, yes. And that bill is uh, supposed to protect the lives and well-being of not just police but firefighters and EMS as well and there is a local police chief who's using that bill as a means to also apply hate crime charges to anybody who resists arrest 
Yes. So and it passed. Yes, that's what well. The the bill passed, but how he's interpreting how to add the extra charges onto it, I think, is something of where the discussion comes in because. To me, it seems like, and I've seen two different sources. So I've seen the source from New York Daily News in which Sean King wrote an article on it. And I saw also an article in Vibe, and Vibe actually speaks more towards the actual bill. And the New York Daily News article speaks more towards the implications of the bill or, or more of the implications of the action. So my concern with this in particular is I've seen plenty of videos in the last couple of years alone where people are completely non-resistant and subdued sometimes by multiple police officers and they're yelling, stop resisting, stop resisting. I've seen plenty of instances where people are charged with nothing more than resisting arrest. Like, how are you going to arrest me for resisting arrest? Like, how's that the single charge? Like, what was the charge? So my charge is being you know, resisting. So my whole thing is, I, the, the bigger thing is here, if you go into a court of law and there is a murder trial, you have to, pro- you have to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that um, whoever is being charged with first degree murder, you have to be able to, pro- you have to be able to prove intent, that there's a preconceived, a predetermined intent to murder someone. And I think if you're going to charge somebody with a hate crime for resisting arrest, then you should be able to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that there is hate. And I don't understand how you can say that just because somebody resisted arrest. You know, that's a one of those, uh, as somebody put in the article, a nebulous charge. Because if I pull my hand back when you're trying to reach for it, that can be considered resisting arrest, although that might have just been a natural reflex in mind. Right. right. So. I, I have a major issue with the, the idea that someone could take the, the law, if this was the law and somebody wrote this in, that's a terribly bad idea and it needs to be repealed. If this is just an interpretation of how you can utilize the law, then that needs to be addressed as well because I, I feel like that's a violation of people. And that's going to, you can just, you can tell anybody they're resisting arrest. Oh, you're under arrest. Why am I under arrest? And you walk away. Now you're resisting arrest because resisting arrest is very subjective. It's very subjective. And my problem is that not only is it subjective, but in a court of law, the police officer is almost always assumed to be right. Mm -hmm. And not only that, and here's the thing, I I, I know I said it again, but you know, I'm just, I'm on a real serious note right now. With regard to a Blue Lives Matter bill, it kind of feels like you're, you're putting extra importance on the life of police officers when we all should, all, shouldn't all lives matter and that what you guys have been yelling. So why do we have this extra? I, I, I'm not feeling it. I'm not in every single shade. I'm not feeling the idea of this bill. I'm not feeling the idea that you can take something like resisting arrest and add a felon charge because that can be up to 10 years per count mm-hmm. so somebody might have you know been walking down the street police might have come at them funny or they might not have understood an order and as a result they said they were resisting arrest that's now a felony charge and somebody who might have been jaywalking or not even doing anything at all can potentially have a felony charge that could give them 10 years in jail for a hate crime which you would I think, have to prove that there was actually hate involved. Dylan Roof was a hate crime. So me not wanting to get handcuffed doesn't constitute a hate crime. That constitutes a natural reflex to like wanting to be free because that's the way I was born. Or even if I'm walking down the street and I have on headphones and I can't hear you saying stop, that doesn't necessarily mean all of a sudden I need to be charged with a felony. Or I'm deaf and I don't hear you. Right. I have mentally incapacitated. Needs. Right, right. Or I have special needs. I'm autistic and I, I, I don't communicate well with people. It's, look, we live in a shit show. I'm just waiting for someone to introduce the bill like they did in Russia that says beating your wife is not a crime. It is okay. As long as you don't call her, cause her significant bodily injury. Wait, wait. She got to be, she either has to go to the hospital or miss a day of work. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's good. Right. You know, just as pop in the mouth, you know, she good. Wow. Was that was that actually passed? Oh, no, that's a thing. That's a thing. That passed last week. Was it like 300 to three? Uh Uh-huh. 
Wow. Uh, apparently uh-huh. there are a lot there's a lot of wife beating in Russia. And, yes, and the, the the phraseology was something along the lines of there shouldn't be laws that interfere with like the natural order of like a household or something like that. Something insane. Mm. Except when it benefits our agenda. Okay. So Well, it's always okay to beat your wife. Okay. Something else we discussed. Uh, I figured Takia was going to bring it up, and if you wanted to, if you wanted to take lead on it, that's cool. There's a proposal by Trump to uh, implement a 20% tax tariff on imports from the country of Mexico. So all your avocado and all your tequila, all uh, of that is going up. Corona. Well, here's the thing: that was the proposal until. People started coming out and being like, okay, so like tequila, avocados. And then there were certain companies that set forward that were like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, like we, we sell them stuff. Like, like, how does that work? You know, that's not okay. And then there were other people that were like, whoa, 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 we buy stuff from them. I, I think we like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's good. So it's it's crazy because like business is split, like as far as, you know, like whether or not it benefits them, whether or not you're primarily an importer or an exporter. But I mean, you know, like you really think that white America is going for a 20 percent tax that's going to be passed along to them on their Corona and their tequila? Nah, mm-mm. that's off the table. It's, it's not but just even how he was interacting with the president of. Mexico, it goes back to what you were saying earlier about just temper tantrums. Like, well, if you won't pay for this wall, then maybe we shouldn't have this meeting. And the president of Mexico was like, you know what, bitch, we ain't going to have this meeting. How about that? And I just want to say, president of Mexico, who was just tweeting out anything he wants because he's not like politically connected anymore, is just like, you know what, Trump. You're not building this fucking wall, and everything he puts up is like hashtag fucking wall. I heart him so oh, much. Who's this again? Fox? Yes, Fox, bitch. I, but what I feel like is this: he's not in power anymore. But you know, in many ways, Mexico is its own oligarchy, failed statishness, fuckery going on, and I feel like somebody like him is definitely hooked into maybe not political elites anymore, but definitely people who got the money, you know what right. I'm saying? And I feel like that is the elite, the, the financial elite. That's the wealthy. That's the corporate people in Mexico letting him speak out because the reality is they're prepared to have a trade war. Like, like I don't think that people understand that like a lot of places around the world look at us and they're like, yeah, on the one hand, we got to do business with you. On the other hand, if you're going to be hostile, I mean, like, it's alternatives out here. You know and what now I'm what is it? Peru and Chile have joined forces with Mexico? Dude, pay attention. Cuba has been living for the last, what, 50 years? Chilling. You know what I'm saying? Like, it is not necessarily, you know, convenient for them to be, you know, not have any trade going on with the U.S. But the reality is Cuba does business with the rest of the world and the rest of the world does business with Cuba. Mexico, the reason why a lot of these companies want to actually have manufacturing in Mexico is not just for cheap labor, but it's because Mexico actually has better uh, free trade agreements with more countries around the world than the United States does. So it's easier for country for co- corporations to get their goods out of Mexico and into other countries without all the taxes and tariffs and everything like that than it is for them to come out of here. So the reality is on so many levels, we don't actually want to get into a trade war with Mexico because there are enough corporations that act like sovereign entities in this country that will totally pick up their shit and move to Mexico anyway. Because if you start a trade war and their peso drops and everything just becomes so much more cost effective to do the manufacturing out of there because they already have the good deals on the free trade anyway, so it's easier to get your goods out of there, then tell me, why wouldn't you why would you stay? Because the one other thing about Donald Trump that he fails to realize because he owns a company that is essentially owned by his family is that corporation in this country 
they're beholden to their shareholders. And so like when their shareholders start seeing that, like y'all are making bad financial moves because you are afraid of the baby in the white house. That's when activist shareholders become a problem because what everybody speaks is money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're already starting. Um, what was it? Um, it was some hashtag. They started like ban Starbucks or Starbucks go home or something. They were starting in Mexico. Um, and then on top of that, they added this an insult to injury, put Melania on the cover of Vanity Fair Mexico. And the Mexican people were like, are you serious? And she's like eating, not eating, obviously, but she has like a bowl of jewels in front of her, which is actually the same picture they used for this very interesting article in, article in GQ a few months ago that I've been trying to read, but I've been getting caught up in all the stupid shit that her husband has been doing. Um, so they they kind of felt like it was like, oh, you're doing this on purpose. Like, are you really doing this right now to to spite us? Are you mocking us? Like, why do we have to look at this woman's face when we've got all these issues with her orange husband? Dude. Because they don't understand. They don't actually understand. I, I, don't, I don't think he wanted to be president. It's very clear from this move that they just made from Steve Bannon that Steve Bannon is actually president. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I don't think he's capable of this. And I think this is all about his ego. And I think he pulled some strings with the publisher and was like, oh, you should put my wife on the cover. And I think he's dumb enough to have thought in his mind, yeah, this is to add insult to injury. Because he thinks, I really think that he believes because he's got these nuclear codes that he can just go around and do whatever he wants. And I don't think that he understands that, like, the world just doesn't really work like that. Yeah. Um, moving forward. So we have a lot of stuff that I brought up. Does anybody want to speak about the, the, the TPP? Do you want to speak about the, the, the code of access? I thought that was interesting because essentially the, the executive memo said that uh, people are to uh, take any permits for construction the necessary steps to make sure that they're expedited and reviewed in a timely fashion, whatever that means. Uh, it sounds like you're trying to get a, a rush deal on getting these these pipelines built, but they also have to be built here in America because, you know, jobs. And I, I think that the low-level civil war is going to kick off around that pipeline because the thing that really frightens me is that if he moves and the veterans that were prepared to go out there, that went out there, go back out there, even if they're unarmed, that's going to be really problematic. If you've got a government that says, go ahead, and you've got a mass of people out there that are saying no. And it's one thing if it's just Native people and, you know, crunchy granola activists. But if you get veterans out there in mass protecting these people, I just feel like that's going to be a problem because the, the police have already used undue force. And so I just, I, that, that, the, that pipeline is going to be a big problem. All the pipelines really are going to be big problems, but that, that, and I think Keystone may be a big problem too, because Keystone brought a lot of just regular people who saw what fracking and drilling did to their neighbors and the water supply. And so there's a lot of like local grassroots movement around Keystone, um, just like there's a lot of native movement um, around uh, the DAPL pipeline. And I think that these pipelines are gonna start off a low level civil war um, that people aren't expecting because the other thing is, this is rural America, these people are armed. To the T. You know, mm-hmm. and, and, and not only that, but like a lot of Westerners and people who live in Western states, because they hunt, because they camp, because they fish, they're very much conservationists. And um, the guy who he nominated to head the uh, Department of the Interior, 
actually broke with the Republican Party at the convention because he doesn't believe that um, public land should be turned over to uh, private uh, landholders or for private management. And, you know, I think that there's a lot of people who think that they're going to be able to make a lot of moves because they have this Republican uh, House and this Republican Senate. But I think that like there's a lot for now, but I think there's a a lot of people who don't necessarily like there's a lot of regular people who they may vote for this party, but the party in different regions has very different agendas. And the only thing that they really seem to come together on is some of the corporate stuff, some of the women's stuff and some of the stuff around like entitlements, quote unquote, entitlements and subsidies that they think um, are going disproportionately to black and brown people. But, um, you know, each region has its own particular, you know, thing going on, like, and, and the people in that region don't necessarily agree with what the people here in DC over at the RNC headquarters think. And so, um, I think that the problem with stirring up a lot of this populist anger is that the people feel like they have power. And I think that there's going to be a lot of moves that they try and make that like, because they've empowered the people, they're going to find that they've got way more opposition um, than they thought. I think the irony in, in a lot of this, a lot of people who consider themselves conservative Republicans and people outside of that also like libertarians and things of that nature, notwithstanding, but a lot of people who consider themselves to be hardline conservative Republicans feel like the government is in the way. And over the last week, we've seen that the government has decided to inject itself in everything. Well, Silicon Valley feels differently today. You know, fr- Friday afternoon, Silicon Valley was like, we can play ball. Today, Silicon Valley is like, whoa, we just had to we call out the immigration in force because, you know what I'm saying? They, there are people like, I think it was like, um, there are people from like, I think Google recalled all their employees, but there are actually some people who are going to be caught out there and not allowed to be back in the country. Like you've got major tech companies that are like, first of all, we got employees that are traveling. We've recalled them, but they're caught out there in this mess right now. Second of all, you know what I'm saying? There are people who like they are not out traveling, but now they can't travel. And then the other question is because a part of the bill, you know, that we haven't had a chance to really address because they haven't moved on that yet is the fact that they reserve the right to recall all of these green hard colders from these countries in one by one, even if they haven't traveled to have their green cards reviewed. Okay. Well, you, you said a bill. I just want to, I just want to. Or my fault. Executive order. Right. Okay. All right. I just, I just wanted to make sure we were clear on that because he's, he's been doing a lot with this whole executive order thing. And apparently when President Obama was using executive orders, there was a big issue with him doing that. But now that Trump is in office, it, it seems to be okay. Oh, look, all of that was just racism and sexism because he got a private server. He signed an executive orders like they're going out of style. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, we paying for security for his wife and kids to be in New York while he's down here. You know what I'm saying? That's costing a lot of money. And these are the same people who were forever talking about, oh, he's costing us all this money going on vacation. By the way, this motherfucker does not seem to work all the time. He seems to tweet in the middle of the night, but I don't know about working because you watching TV. And yet, you know what, Takia? We want to hope that he wasn't watching Finding Dory, but we know that he was. We know he was. We know he was. So it's like, you know, we shouldn't even we shouldn't even say to ourselves, we hope this is what we're doing. I think that we need to actually be honest about what is going on. Like if we do not keep resisting, we are actually going to wake up and find that it actually is a fascist authoritarian state, not it's on its way to being one. And I think that we need to. He has proven he told us what he is going to do and now he is doing it. And for everybody who was saying, oh, you're paranoid or you should give him a chance or all of that, you know what I'm saying? Like, nah, it, it, it really is what you think it is. And you should be alarmed and you should not try and pretend like this is normal and you should not allow your alarm 
to subside. <laughs> if you have to be in a state of alarm for the next four years, then that's what it is. You know what I'm saying? But like, we can't get used to this because if we do, then we'll be stuck with it. Right. It'll become the norm. And then that's, that's one of the goals or motives of this whole thing anyway, is to normalize abnormal behavior and actions, such as the alt-right, the idea of alt-right or alternative facts, to normalize that. And if it becomes normalized, then, then we just run with it, right? So, um, yeah, this is, this is going to bear a, a lot of attention. Again, I'm going to have to post all these links on the website. I'll post it on Facebook. Wait, uh, so I put a link in the chat. Um, it's www.govtrack.us. Um, people go to this website, bookmark it in your browser, because this is where you go to look. It's, it's a U.S. Gov uh, website. This is where you go to track all of the legislation. We cannot track the executive orders through this, I don't believe, but we can track the legislation that's on deck. Because one of the things that I think that we have to remember is that the executive orders, as harmful as they are, while they are instruments of policy, they are also distractions to keep you from paying attention on what's going on in Congress. Congress and some of these uh, executive Congress, orders are finite. Right. Republicans who have spent the last eight years just saying we're not going to do shit are suddenly very busy. You know what I'm saying? Trying to put all types of shit on deck, passing shit through. Um, the Senate, you know, is not able to move as fast, I think, because they have a uh, more Democratic opposition. But um, this is important. We need to pay attention. Um, and I also want to say just in, as an aside to that, because I am saying be vigilant, we got to practice self-care. So like maybe you take like Tuesday, Thursday and Saturday off and you don't Facebook or you don't do the news or you just like listen to your playlist and you zone out. Because we do have to pay attention, but we also have to practice self-care and we have to give ourselves like many respites from this. Not a bad idea. It's all happening so fast that you'll never keep up. And yeah. we never will. Yeah. I just want to also stress that uh, with regard to the travel ban, it's a 120-day ban. It is temporary. It has to basically be extended or put into law by Congress for it to go beyond that. There's also been, and I, I meant to mention this earlier, it's also a 90-day freeze on federal hiring that was issued via, I believe, executive order, or was it memo? Can't remember, but it's the link it will be on the web on, on the web webpage. And that's 90 days, and uh, that's for the executive branch. So unless you are national security or a veteran or something of that ilk then you know you're 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 short for the next 90 days if you are looking to uh advertise for a job as a federal agency or looking to hire or looking to be hired is not going to happen so if you're not in place right now you're waiting at least 90 days for the executive branch uh there are other positions throughout government but for the executive branch that's what's happening um what this will likely do is it probably create a shift from federal civilian workers to a heavier contract force, which is great for contractors, but that's going to be more of... And they're more expensive? It's more expensive. That, that's what mm -hmm. I was going to say. It's, it's well, pretty well, much more expensive because there's much more that you have to consider when, in terms of like doing uh, federal contracts. You have to not only pay for the, 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 the contractor themselves, but there's also other things that have to be considered. The contract agency has to be compensated. It's, it's, it's a lot that goes into it. So I don't want to get into the weeds on that because that's not what we're here to do today. Um, I just want to bring all these different things to your attention in case you were not aware. And again, there's so much more that's out there that I'm probably missing, honestly, because I'm doing this right now and something else is probably taking place or broken. Oh, also ACLU, I heard, was able to get a federal... A find a federal judge who's able to strike down the travel ban? Yes. Had so, you heard that? So, yes. So what does that mean? So the suit that they actually filed in New York was actually, uh, it, it has nationwide implications because, you know, a lot of times when suits are filed in federal district court, they only um, apply to that particular district. But however they filed the suit, it is um, a nationwide thing. And so I think if I'm remembering correctly, what I heard um, 
this evening right before we uh, did the call in for this was that the federal judge issued a, a stay. And what that means is that anyone who has a green card or a visa that either has been issued or has been approved, even if it has not been issued, if it has already been approved, those people cannot be prevented from, um, those people cannot be held at the airport. I believe that it also goes as far as to say that they must be allowed into the country. Um, but it does not speak to what happens to people who are currently here if they leave. Um, so, so basically it's like, if you're out, you can come back in, but it doesn't necessarily speak to, can you leave and safely come back mm -hmm. in? And it also doesn't affect any of the other language in the order about green card and visa holders being able, uh, being uh, called in on a case by case basis to have uh, their documents, which they currently have and have been vetted for, um, reconsidered. And I also want to, because I feel like we're hopscotching all over the place in terms of topics, again, because it's just so much. Uh, typically, oh, wait, wait, wait. I, I, know, I know I'm cutting you off, but I'll say that Kellyanne Conway also said in a press conference or whatever she was talking to, it sounded like a press conference because it was the radio that I was listening to. But she also added in a statement that while there were only seven out of like 47, uh, uh, Countries that were countries, banned. 47 other countries that aren't on the list. She also added that more may be added at a later date. So I would expect this to expand and not contract. Oh, well, I was actually going to speak to that. So it's cool that you did that uh, because I was going to speak to the fact that there were seven countries that were banned, but none of them are countries that we have or Trump has major dealings with. So Saudi Arabia, for example, uh, no ban, but Somalia and in Yemen and Iraq and Iran and a couple others. Well, Rince Priebus, Rince Penis was, and the way he spun it was he said that these seven countries were from the list of countries that are identified terrorist region from the Obama administration. So it sounds like they're trying to say like, oh, we didn't just come up with this on our own. No, this is from Obama and we're just enacting legislation based on the information that they provided. So that's who you should be upset with. Right. It has nothing to do with the business ties. At least now that's the way that Rents Priebus was, was spinning it. Right. And, but, but, and even if that is true, what makes Iraq being on that list extra fucked up is that there has been a concerted effort by uh, veterans who served in Iraq, uh, government employees who served in Iraq, um, and contractors who served in Iraq who are trying desperately to get translators who we basically abandoned Vietnam style um, in theater. You know what I'm saying? We pulled out. Their lives are in danger. A lot of them have mm -hmm. been uh, picked off. Their families have been killed. And um, a lot of them are trying to get out of the country. And I believe one of those people who is uh, there was a man who was on the plane. And he was trying to uh, him and I think his kids had been detained at the airport and I believe it was New York and his wife was a contractor and they have been trying for years to get over here. And then there was another uh, people, a uh, uh, woman that they interviewed who was from Philadelphia and they are, I believe, um, Christians from Iran and they've been trying to get uh it was her father has been trying to get his brother here for the last 14 years they sold everything no they're from syria they sold everything and they got turned around at the airport and they actually were deported so they just arrived in damascus uh not too long ago but um, not just that we're, we're also we also have a vested interest in making sure that Iraq is on the same page with us in terms of trying to turn away the threats that we're experiencing from abroad, but they're experiencing in their country. So there's a vacuum, obviously, that was created when, you know, we went back to Iraq or whatever and disposed right. of 
Saddam Hussein, among others. So there, there's a problem that's in this region now. And there's also been a call to say that we're going to get rid of ISIS. And ISIS is... No, I'm not going to get into that. That's going to get into the weeds. Um, I'll just say that we are, we are in a position where we need to make sure that we are supporting them in the way that we're supposed to, to make sure that things keep moving in a, in a manner that is beneficial for us as a country. Right. Not only like over there, because we still have people over there, but over here. Right. And by saying, okay, well, you can't bring your people over here and you can't come over here, whatever. What type of optics is that? So how does that look? So it's not just about what you're doing. It's also about how it's going to be perceived. So right. it's, it's, again, like, you know, people saying you're not going to pay for the wall. Mexico is going to pay for it. And trust me, they're going to pay in some type of uh, form of payment. It might be a complicated form, but it will be a form. This is a, pretty much a, a direct quote from Donald Trump when mm-hmm. he's talking about paying for the wall. Right. But now there's this 20 percent imposed tax tariff on imports. So essentially what's happening is the American taxpayer is going to be paying for higher costs in products. Mm-hmm. which means that they can either pay that higher cost or they can find something else as a substitute that would automatically impact. So who's to say that there's not a retaliation to say, well, hey, we're, we're going to start changing the way we do business over on this end as well. So the, the manner in which things are being done is not just about what's being done that's jacked up and it's effed up on many levels. It is also about the optics and how things are going to be interpreted. So, yeah. I don't. I probably didn't articulate it as well as I want to, um, but I think you get the, where I'm going with that. I got you. Appreciate you. <laughs> I, I I can feel myself going downhill. Like uh, I'm I'm not feeling too hot right now. <laughs> oh. Yeah, yeah. I I I can I can, I can feel it. I can feel it coming on. Well, yeah. Then we should wrap it up. Indeed, indeed. Um. First and foremost, I would like to thank you ladies for, for again, joining me on this, on this wild and crazy ride. Um, would you like to say who you are? Like, have, you, have you allowed yourself to, to sit with the idea of either one of your nicknames as anything? Oh, I'm, I'm K-Fire, a.k.a. That Cunt. Yay! Go, Chrissy! <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm going to be real with you. I, 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 it's, I don't know if I'm ever going to get there to the That Cunt thing. You don't have to say it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, uh, at least not for public consumption. I might call you that behind your back. No, I'm joking. Uh, I feel some type of way about the word. I'm trying to own. I don't feel about a way about it. It's just I, I just mm, yeah, you know, it's just yeah, yeah. I mean, that's never been the way we've rocked, and I've known you for like more than half my life now, this which is, is crazy. Real. Oh my god, um, this is true. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I mean, he stays doing that. Like I thought. I knew him for like 10 years and he's like, nah, it's been like 17. And I was like, really? Yeah, man. Are you sure? Yeah, positive. I was not feeling old till you said that. I don't don't necessarily (laughs) feel old. It's just saying that like we've known each other for some years now. And we're we're still here. (laughs) This is true. Yeah, 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 yeah. So many places you could have been, yet you're here with me. I want to oh. sing home with y'all. That's on, on, on a lighter note, what were your thoughts? And we could take it out on this. What were your thoughts on the new edition? Uh, oh my God, I was just about to say that. I feel like a bad black woman because I didn't watch that and I don't care. I the- but let me tell you why. I saw the casting and I was like, I don't see no new edition there. Like, I'm over this. Uh, I think you should at least like watch it just to see what was going to happen though before you made that judgment. I, I understand your perspective, but like you know, uh, I, I'll say that I think it was it was very it, it, despite the fact that it was a BET production because I, I I give any BET made for TV movie or the side eye yeah mm-hmm. just like like a very deep as far in your peripheral as you can go side eye. Uh, yeah, but they did a. I think they did a, a very commendable job. The only the only knock I will put on the, on that three part miniseries was the fact that the commercials were off the chain. It was way too many commercials. It was like they would show two minutes of movie and like ten minutes of commercial. And every time you're about to lean in, and like and like you really get into back. it, or whatever, like another commercial come on, like damn. 
Well, you know, no, we but I thought it was really well done. I mean, I was not a fan of who they cast for Ricky Bell because Ricky was my favorite. Yeah, well, Ricky and didn't look anything that like dude that cat. Looked like Sammy Davis Jr., and I was like <laughs> extremely thrown off about it. See, I was that, like, "Where are the luscious lips?" See, no. that was my. Heart. I've never heard anybody say that Ricky Bell was their favorite, though. Like I would see the commercials and I would just be looking and I would be like, that is not the new edition that I was losing my mind to when I was like 10, 11. So I can't like, I don't, I can't with this. And the acting was good on the trailers. I just was like, I couldn't. I thought um, Brashear Gray did a good job. Um, the Whoever the guy that played Ralph Tresvan, I thought he did a good job. Whoever played Michael and, Bivens. Yeah, that was Brashear Gray. Yeah, yeah, he did his thing. He sounded like Michael Bivens. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So I, I just, I just, I just thought he did. Like to me, he did. I thought he did a really good job. I was, it, that I thought that was right. Really, what I will say I liked about the the miniseries more than anything is I think that they were a lot more honest than a lot of artists would have been about their journey in terms of how they used to go in on each other. It's like, you know, there's stuff that we've, we've, as fans, we've said, like, I've heard people say who are fans of New Edition, like, uh, you know, Ronnie just like, you know, he's like, you know, a backup dancer, blah, 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 blah. But they were making these jokes amongst themselves. You know, it's like they were really going in on each other. But at the same time, you could tell it was still like from the perspective of being brothers. So it's just like, you know, seeing that like, I didn't know Ricky Bell had a drug issue at all. I'm not going to give anything away, but, you know, I didn't know that that was a thing. So just I watching, was like, my little Ricky. Yeah, I I was there was a lot of things in there that I just was not aware of, and I was also I thought was interesting. I knew that they got jerked when they did their first tour. I assumed that it was the manager who was Brooke, and it wasn't. So to find out the 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 deeper level that went with that, I was like, oh. But once I figured out, I was like, there there were just a lot of things I didn't know. So I thought it was a very very well done. Production. I think it probably could have been done in two nights if they did half the commercials. But you know that notwithstanding, I thought it was a very well done uh, show, uh, movie. It was. I think people were getting a little bit out of hand with saying it's the best biopic ever. I don't know about that. Uh, there are a lot of biopics out there that I'm just a fan of. I think people just used to these shitty Lifetime biopics. I mean, yeah, but you know when you say a biopic. Yeah, okay, yeah, I, I get it. But when you say biopic, Malcolm X was a biopic. Ray was a biopic. You know, Nigga, they were in the theaters. We're talking about some made for TV. That's that's still a biopic, nonetheless. Like, no, nah, but we're talking about like extended unsungs, essentially. And, 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 and it, okay, even still, the Temptations joint was a biopic, and the Temptations joint was classic. Lee, I feel like you are failing. <laughs> no, I get what you say. Hey, the Temptations joint was made for TV. No, nah, the Temptations joint was TV. That was TV. That was not in the theater. It was. Yes, that was that was that was that was made for TV. All right. Well, Jim. Well, I mean, made the five heartbeats picks are cheesy. That was in the theater. That was in the theater. And that was and also that, a fictitious group. It was a hodgepodge, but you know, it was a hodgepodge of real groups. Get so that. it was like real events, but yeah, man. Okay. Well, I I I, I get what you're saying. I just mm, yeah. Way to end on a positive note. I, I try. I try. We got to relive some of the great music of New Edition. And now I think that was another My thing. My life was changed forever when any heartbreak came but out. But I'm a little disappointed because for all the status updates, there were no good memes. And I feel like we should have got some good memes out of this. Of them, people weren't trying. People weren't. I, I heard uh, on, a, on a radio show that people were taking color purple lines and then mixing them with lines from the New Edition story coming up with some pretty funny memes so i don't know maybe maybe we just give a little bit of time and see what circulates through but maybe tomorrow when people are bored at work perhaps yeah but ladies and gentlemen my name is lee bennett the third aka da vinci parks again for t rich and christy hunt we are the usual suspects slim will hopefully be back with us next week because we miss his energy uh i think we're uh, a lot more lighthearted when all four of us are here and uh we thank you so much for listening. We, we ask that you continue to do so. Check us out on iTunes. Check us out on Facebook. And also check us out on Twitter. And give us a review. Yeah, we, we'd love to hear your feedback. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you'd like to hear more of. And again, this is Usual Suspects on FlashBlackRadio.com. Peace, 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 peace. We out. Bye. Bye.